0: And we're going to be looking at Luke 17 in depth in just a few minutes. So if you want to get ready and get ready, set go, we'll um, we we'll, we'll, we'll all be on the same page. Thank you. 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 Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, little fella. I didn't do it. Thank you, Bob. I'm glad you didn't. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. What is so hard about thank you? What is so hard about thank you? For those of you that can and would, I'm going to ask that you stand and go to three people at least and say thank you. Please don't say anything beyond that, like don't tell them why you're saying thank you, but just say thank you. All right. I heard about an episode of The Simpsons, of course I watch it all the time. Uh The family was sitting down for supper and Homer asked Bart to give thanks before the meal. If you're a Simpsonite, you probably uh, know the, the episode I'm speaking of. Bart bowed his head and said these words, Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Now to some people, that's funny. I think it's tragic. But listen, let's go uh, go one step deeper. Let's drill down. It reveals a real problem that a lot of people, I'm not going to exclude Christians here, have today. They live their lives enjoying the blessings of God, complaining about what they don't have or what they have that they don't like, but never once stopping to say, thank you. They're kind of like the old pig who spends his life rooting around the acorns on the ground. But he never once looks up long enough to acknowledge the tree that produced the acorns. And so this morning I want to share with you a story in the Bible. It's a story about ten lepers whom Jesus healed. Nine of them were like that old pig, but one of them was different. He stopped. He looked up long enough to thank Jesus. The tree of life. Now I don't know if you realize how horrible leprosy is. I don't know if you realize the kind of fear it struck in the hearts of people of Jesus' day, but it was a a horrendous problem. Probably the worst social problem of the day. The word used in the Bible for leprosy actually was used to describe a number of different diseases. They all fell into one category didn't have the advancement in medical science that we have today. But doctors today believe that what most people were suffering uh, from back then is commonly called Hansen's disease, It's what it would be called today. And it starts out as a harmless looking white patch of skin, but it eventually becomes numb to the point that its victims lose all sense of touch. And as time goes on, that patch begins to spread all over the body, including the face, so it's impossible to hide this disease And then next it starts to form spongy tumors all over the body, while at the same time attacking internal organs. And because the nerve endings die, victims of leprosy can't tell whether their hands or feet are being harmed. And after a while, parts of the body literally die and fall off. And there was no medical cure for leprosy, and you can imagine that getting it struck great fear into people's hearts. Talking about that time when Jesus ministered here on earth, I want to even go back a little further and and talk about the Mosaic Law. Because under under this Jewish law, it was pronounced that a leper was to be considered unclean. That meant a leper was forbidden to ever enter the temple. In other words, if we put it into today's vernacular, you weren't allowed to go to church and worship with others. You were an outcast. Sad to say, some churches still have those kind of policies. In fact, if you got leprosy, you were no longer allowed to even live with your family because the law required you, according to Numbers chapter 5, to live outside the city wall. So contracting leprosy meant you essentially lost everything. You lost your family, you lost your job, you lost your money, you lost your friends, all of it. And that's why lepers were literally called the walking dead. And because they were homeless, they were forced to live in colonies with other lepers. And the reason that this is such a great passage, Luke 17 on giving thanks, and we don't usually use it. We use some flowery uh, words from one of Paul's letters, or we use something from the Psalms, and those are all good. I'm not denigrating any of those. But we never think to go to uh, Luke chapter 17 and and speak about giving thanks, because when these ten lepers got healed, let me tell you something. They had a lot to be thankful for, a lot. And as we look at this passage, I think we're all going to see a bit of ourselves in these words. The truth is, because each one of us is either one or the other. Either you're like the lepers who got what they wanted and then went on their merry way, or you're like the leper who stopped to give thanks. Now, which one is it? And I know we'd all kind of pull our halos up straight and get real pious looking and say, oh, no, I'd be the one to come back and be thankful. But let's analyze. (coughs) Excuse me. And in fact, by the time we're done, I'm hoping that we'll all have a more thankful attitude. Because if you're a Christian this morning, think about this. You too have been healed of an incurable disease, and you have a lot to be thankful for. In fact, from these verses, I want to give you a few of the reasons why I personally am so thankful to God this morning. And so it isn't really a sermon, it's more of a living witness from one healed leper to another. But my question that lies under the surface of all of this as I speak today is why is thank you so hard. Now, the first thing I'm thankful for, just to kind of give you a list of things to be thankful for, is that Jesus recognized my cry. See, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he came across a border town somewhere between Galilee and Samaria. And let's go to Luke 17, and I want to begin to read at verse 11. And here, we, if you'd like to read with me, feel free to do that. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Notice this next line, it's very important. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They really didn't know who they were calling out to. Verse 13 specifically tells us that they're standing now afar off. The reason they're yelling at the top of their lungs at Jesus was that Jewish tradition required that because leprosy was so contagious and was such a, a, a terrible social disease, they had to stand at least a hundred steps away from anyone who was without leprosy. In fact, to make sure you didn't spread the disease, if anyone came within 16.5 feet of you, you were required to call out at the top of your voice, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the embarrassment you'd feel if you contracted that? Or if you contracted a highly contagious disease like some of the ones that are running rampant in the world today, and you had to do that? Now, notice they were obeying the law to the letter. They were keeping their distance. They were, at least some of them, maybe most of them, seemed to be good Jewish people who understood the law. I'll bet you they were right on the line, though. They'd probably heard rumors about this miracle man named Jesus. Didn't know anything else about him. And so they're desperate to get his attention. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the law further required that their faces had to be covered. Now, to a Jew... Your face is the most intimate part of your body. For example, and I can prove this in Scripture so easily, when the Scriptures commanded them to, to seek the face of God, it meant that they were to seek intimacy, seek ultimate closeness to God. In fact, the Hebrew word for face and for presence are the same word. Now, as a leper, if you need to hide your face... It meant you couldn't even seek intimacy with God, or anyone else for that matter. As a result, lepers had no friends. They had no deep relationships. Nobody cared, and nobody cared that nobody cared. And you were on your own, totally isolated, social outcast, nobody interested in your cause or your case. So, friends, quite simply, it's a picture of you and me. It's a picture of... Of each of us before Christ comes into our lives. You see, because of my sin, I was desperate. Because of my sin, I was alone. Because of my sin, I was cut off from any kind of intimacy or closeness with God. Because of my sin, I couldn't see. I couldn't look on the face of God. I couldn't be in the presence of God. Totally cut off. And because of my sin, I was kept at a distance from him. It affected my intimacy and closeness with others too. You might be sitting here this morning and you say, Bob, try as I might, my sin just keeps getting in the way of intimacy with others. I just can't seem to get close to other people. I just can't seem to make lasting relationships that are real and that are, that are meaningful and that have purpose and, and direction. Or you might say, I want to be closer to my wife, but my anger keeps pushing her away. Or I want to be close to my husband, but my hurt, my unforgiveness towards him, whatever it might be, my past, it keeps me distant. I want to be a loving and a caring parent for my children, but my, my inner pain, whatever it is and whatever it's caused from, keeps me from being able to draw close to my own children. Thankfully, my friends, when I recognize personally here, I want to share with you personally, when I recognized my sinful state from a distance, and I've tried a lot of things to get close, but I knew none of them will get me close. But when I recognized that I was a sinner, and I was not living according to the dictates of God's word, I called out to Jesus in the loudest voice that I had, And I said from the depth of my soul, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me, a sinner, in need of help. And amazingly, as he was walking by, as he was walking by, as he was walking by, He heard my cry. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever cried out to him in desperation? Have you ever been so far down that you had to look up to see the bottom? And if you haven't ever cried out to him From the loudest voice you can muster in the depths of your soul, you should do that. And you should do that today. But why is thank you so hard? Well, not only did he hear my cry, but he stopped when he heard my cry. And not only did he look in my direction, but the second reason I'm so thankful to Jesus today is he responded to my desperation. As we go on in our reading, verse 14, I want to read just the first half. We'll put the whole verse up. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Do you remember? Now, now I'm really going to get you to dig down deep here. Do you remember the first time Jesus looked at you? And, and the word that, that the Bible uses here says when he saw them, it doesn't just mean he, he glanced at them. Let me tell you what that word means. It means he laser-focused on them. He fixed his gaze on them. And, and I'll give you a, an illustration from real life. You guys that are here this morning, especially if you're a married man, <coughs> did you ever get the look? Don't look at her right now because she'll probably pound you. But uh, did you ever get the look? Huh? How many of you remember the TV series Tool Time? You can admit that. Those of you that wouldn't admit Simpsons, that's fine. But how many of you remember Tool Time with Tim Allen? Okay. That was right after Simpsons. No. Great show. Great show, I guess. I even watched a few episodes, but there was one episode where his wife, Jill, got so angry when she found him hanging out with the guys at the hardware store. That was Tim's favorite place, right? He had promised to come home, and when she found him, she gave him the look. But the rest of that scene was so phenomenal. Grown men were hiding out behind the plumbing supplies. Some were cringing down behind the counters. And if you're a guy, you know what I'm talking about. Well, Jesus gave these lepers the look. He saw them. He laser-focused on them. It was intense. Now, when Jesus truly looks at you, I can just tell you, it feels like you're being turned inside out. All of your secrets, all of your motives, all of your thoughts, all of your attitudes, I'm sorry to tell you this, they're out in the open. And even though it's the most painful moment in your life, it is also and can be the best moment in your life. Because you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to live behind the facade anymore. You're free of the burden of being someone that you're not. I would imagine for these lepers it was the most surprising moment of their lives. I mean, they yelled out at a lot of people, probably everybody that passed by that area going into that region. But nobody ever stopped. In fact, everybody else uh, sought to ignore them. Not just ignore them, but when they heard them or saw there, was, there were lepers over here, they probably sped up. It's kind of like when you're, coming, uh, when, you're, when you're coming out of Walmart or Sears and you hear the little bell ringing. You know how you all of a sudden see something way over here? when the bell's over here. And all of a sudden, you're walking real fast. Now, you're looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. That means you're all guilty. Yeah, every one of us has done that. I do try to make some stops. I do try to help that cause, and I support that cause 100%, so I'm not making fun of it. So they had cried out to a lot of people. Nobody ever stopped. Nobody ever paid attention. Nobody ever heard the cry. Nobody ever responded. Nobody ever looked over there. But not Jesus. He responded. And you know, all of us sitting here today cry out to a lot of things. We look for healing, we look for relief, we cry out to other people, we cry out to systems. We cry out to drugs, we cry out to popularity, we cry out the financial security, we cry out the pleasure, we cry out to all these things, success in the workplace or whatever it might be, but nothing and no one really hears the true cry of our hearts. The cry for relief, the cry for meaning, the cry for purpose, the cry for fulfillment, there are a lot of people who hear our cry, but they just keep moving. In fact, they're moving faster in the opposite direction now that they've heard us, but not Jesus. Not only did he hear my cry, I'm, I'm glad to say today, but he responded to it, and as it turns out, he is the only one that could respond to my heart's cry. Thank God he responded. And he said in that first part of this verse, go show yourselves to the priest, and he, You may need a little explanation on what that means, and that's fine. I just want to say this before I explain. So often, people don't respond to our pleas for help simply because of laziness. And not only that, so often you don't respond to somebody else's cry for help because of your laziness, and I don't because of my laziness. And so very, very, very quickly, I want to give you five symptoms of laziness. If you're a note-taker, I'm sure you'll want to get this. And I told... uh, the runners of the, uh, of the system just put it up and leave it, and I'll go on. Show thyselves to the priests. That may seem like a strange thing to say to somebody, but it was actually a very good thing. There was a custom that went all the way back to Leviticus 13 that said, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become infectious, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine that sore, and if there were certain conditions that went along with that, he could declare that it was an infectious skin disease. When the priest examines him, he pronounces him ceremonially unclean. It helps... He is pronounced unclean. He is banned from his home, from his living neighborhood, from his occupation... He's sent outside the city wall to live in isolation with other unclean people. Now, as bad as that sounds, the only way to make sure contagious disease doesn't spread is to quarantine people. I mean, the CDC, Center of Disease Control here in the U.S., does the same thing today. If you come down with a highly infectious disease that could spread throughout your area or across the country, you're going to be quarantined. That's the way the world works. There are a lot of drugs A lot of man-made programs, all kinds of psychiatric methods they use to try and fix us, but nothing works. And in the end, we end up feeling just as lonely, just as isolated, just as depressed as we ever were. In spite of all the promises and all the talk and all the medical degrees, there's really nothing they can do. The world's answers are just as ineffective against our problems as the priest's instructions were to a leper. All the priest could do was say, Yep, yeah, you got leprosy. I declare you unclean. And that's why I'm so thankful this morning. I gotta tell you, my heart is is bursting. I am so thankful because Jesus is the only one. You hear me? He's the only one. There's no church, there's no religion, there's no body of belief, there's nothing else. There, he, People, I, I, I meet so many people in the run of the week. I meet them even in church, who, who they're depending on some system or some organization or or, or or something that it sounds kind of like our faith, but it's a, it's not akin to our faith at all, and it isn't centered in Jesus. Let me just tell you this: a cut to the chase. Jesus is the only one who can heal your incurable disease. But why is thank you so hard? third thing I'm thankful for is Jesus removed my sin. I want to read the rest of verse 14. We're just going to put that verse back up there because he said something else after he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, what happened? Okay, let's read that together. And as they, they You see, leprosy to the Jews was something God inflicted on people as punishment for sin. You have to understand that Jewish mindset. It was more than just a disease. It was a mark of God's displeasure, and it was a mark of God's displeasure of the leper's sin. The priest, you see, was responsible for declaring a person with leprosy unclean, but it could also work the other way around. If by some miracle you were cured of leprosy, according to Leviticus 14, you could go to the same priest and after examination, the priest could pronounce you clean. In other words, Jesus was telling these people to go to the priest so he he could pronounce their healing. And in a very real way, Jesus was telling them that their sins were forgiven. The leprosy would leave as proof of what he was saying, and I'm going to connect the dots here, so stay with me, because that's you, everything you see that we're trying to paint a little graphic picture of here with uh, Jesus and the, and, the, and, and the engagement with the lepers and the lepers' movements and their words and the words of Jesus and the actions of the lepers, all of that, it's, it, remember now, you're in there, and I'm in there. This is a picture of us, folks. We like to deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, well, we're all—I'm sufficient. I've been going to church and Sunday school and and little kids' school for I don't know how long now. It must be, must be seventy years. And I—I got—I was a Christian. I got baptized, and I've joined thirteen churches since. And I just always there. And and I even, you know, I even I even clean up before Sunday sometimes. And uh, well, I'm imp- I know I impress the pastor and. And I must impress God, too. We we like to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're so sufficient that we can handle anything and everything that life throws at us. We like to feel so independent. Who needs God? But the truth of the matter is the moment we are born... And draw our first breath in this life. We are helpless. What is more helpless than a moment's old baby? And I'm not putting babies down. I love babies, but I'm just saying that's a picture. That's a picture of our need. So helpless, so condemned by our own sin and our own way of thinking. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 3:23. You may be familiar. With this verse, we all have sinned and come short of the glory. The word actually in the original is the perfection of God. No. You say, well, I don't, my, my standard's not perfection. Well, good for you. My standard is perfection because it's God. I have a perfect Savior. I have a perfect Savior. I have a perfect Savior. What kind of Savior do you have? I have a perfect Savior in all ways. Without sin, he took on the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I have a perfect Savior. And that's our standard. You say, well, we can't live up to that. I didn't say you could. I said that was your standard. Say, well, I'm getting by and I'm doing well enough and I don't have any complaints and everything seems to be okay. And all have sinned and fallen short of the perfection of God. And as a result, we all deserve eternal separation from God. I just tell people all the time, I'm so glad I didn't get what I deserve. Don't ever ask to get what you deserve. Oh, God, I just feel I've tried so hard, I've worked so hard, I've labored for you. I've been such a great Christian. I'd just like to get what I deserve. Boy, I would never pray that prayer. Ever. Ever. And you will never, ever, ever interface with anybody on this globe more happy or happier about that than I am, that I didn't get what I deserve. And I just thank God for that every day. Jesus did what no other man could ever do. He solved the sin problem in my life. Some of you don't know the road I travel. Some of you don't know my background. Some of you don't know what it was all about. But I want to tell you, as God in the flesh, he died for my sin. He paid the price. He took the punishment of sin on himself. Why? So I wouldn't have to. Now, that's pretty freeing right there. I don't have to. No wonder I can say I am so thankful this morning because Jesus removed the stain and the shame of my sin. The leprosy of my soul has been healed. I hope the leprosy of your soul has been healed. I just hope that. But why? It's thank you. So hard. Why? Not only am I thankful that he removed my sin, as a result of that, I'm thankful that he revived my hope. You see, the fact that ten lepers took off for the priest in the first place is proof their hope had been rekindled. If they didn't think they had been healed or were going to be healed, they wouldn't have gone towards the priest, because they knew better than to do that. I can imagine as they're making their way to the priest, one of them looked at another and said, Hey, Reuben, look at your skin. It's clean. And Reuben replied, Well, so is yours. And they looked at their hands, and they saw color and life and probably even some fingers. And all of a sudden, it dawned on them, Hey, hey, we've been healed. I can see them jumping up and down now, can't you? The leaping lepers, I call them. Can you imagine them not being leaping and jumping and just ecstatic, almost silly over this thing? Just like you are right now about your salvation and about being in church this morning. Look at you. It's, it's hard. I mean, when this dies down, I'll continue. But oh, it's phenomenal. Wow, I never saw anything like it. Now, don't respond too, 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 too much, okay? Because old Bob couldn't handle too much of it. Can't you see them jumping up and down? When you first come to the realization that what Jesus has done for you that nobody else could ever do, that he's healed your soul, he's freed you from sin, that's exciting, my friend. I don't know if if you've lost that excitement, but you need to regain it. Your hope is renewed. For the first time, you realize maybe your family can be saved. Maybe your marriage can be put back together. There's hope for you. There's hope for your family. Your life begins to turn around in all kinds of ways. I can attest to that. But too many times... We don't follow through. We don't continue to live in an attitude of thanksgiving. And as a result, our enthusiasm loses momentum. Listen to me very carefully. And if we're not careful, we'll slowly forget what Christ has done for us. And before long, we'll find ourselves back where he found us in the first place. And that's what happened to nine, listen, nine of the ten leaping lepers. That's why it is so important to understand and be thankful that Jesus has done so much to solve your soul's dilemma. But why is thank you so hard? I'll tell you another reason I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus received my thanks. I'm going to begin to read at verse 15 and read uh, four verses. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, if this is a brand-new story to you and you've never heard it before, and you heard me say, and I've accentuated it the best I can, that there were ten lepers, and you came to this line in verse 15, and one of them came back. Wouldn't you, like, wouldn't that arrest you right there? Wouldn't you just stop and say, whoa, whoa, whoa? And you'd put your finger on the one, and you'd go back up. to, Wait, wait, there were, there were ten, and 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 one came back, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And what did he do? What did he do? He thanked him. Now, you say, oh, this was just thrown in by the Holy Spirit later, or maybe one of the translators. And he was a Samaritan. Boy, let me explain that to you in just a moment. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. Now, Jesus asked, we're not all ten clans. Where are the other nine? (laughs) Oh, dear. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Wow. It's just plain incredible to me that only one leper came back to give thanks to Jesus for the amazing miracle he did in their lives. Is it amazing to you? Is it incredible to you? Okay, wait. Before we condemn the other nine, oh boy, fasten your seatbelt. I have to stop and remember all the things. This is causing causing me pain to say this. I don't say it glibly. But I have to stop and remember all the things Jesus has done for me that I failed to thank him for. Have I got any partners on that one? You know what happens to us when we fail to give thanks to God for the miracles in our lives? We get spoiled. We start taking God for granted. And if our true motives... Were revealed, you'd find that we really didn't want release, we wanted relief. Huge difference. We didn't really want to change our lifestyle, we wanted to escape the consequences of our lifestyle. See, we escape the pain for a little while, but what we don't realize is that unless we continue to seek out Christ, we're going to fall right back into the old pattern of living. And the pain comes back. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to heal you on the outside only. He wants to heal you also on the inside, my friend. And he wants to get down to the root of the problem. So the big mystery of this story, for me anyway, is what happened to the other nine after the, 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 the priest pronounced them clean. I mean, even Jesus was shocked. He said, didn't I heal ten people? Where, where are the other, where are the nine? Well, here's where they are. Some of them couldn't wait. They had to get on Facebook and go to their BFF and tell them all about it. And some, some of them had to go back to their family. Some of them had to get to work because they'd missed a lot of work. They are going to try to get their old job back. Some of them are getting reacquainted with their community. Some of them are setting up new lives. And before long, they totally forgot who made it all possible in the first place. And we are just like them this is tough isn't it that's why i made sure i i, I inserted we where i would normally say you cuz we're all in this kettle of fish together instead of going back to jesus as soon as the pain is gone we get preoccupied oh if you just heal me <coughs> oh god if you just if if you just Help me get back on my feet. Oh, if you just pay this bill. Oh, if you just give me that new house. Oh, if you just do this, do that, do that, do that. And as soon as we get it, we forget it. Don't ever forget where you were when Jesus found you. I know where I was. We forget that without Him. None, zero, zilch, zip, nada, none of the blessings you receive would you enjoy. None. None of them would you even know about. Mostly because they wouldn't exist. Now, please listen very, very carefully. Matter of fact, you know what I'm going to do this morning because I love you so much? and I know you love hearing the Word of God and you want to get something and you want to have a takeaway, please listen very carefully on purpose. Would you? Just for a few minutes. If you don't live in a continual attitude of thanksgiving for what God has done in your life, just as sure as I'm standing here, you'll get sidetracked by life, and before long, I hate to say this, but I know it's true, you'll forget, what he did. And trust me, in almost 41 years of pastoring, I have seen this hundreds of times. I can't even count the times or name the people. People I thought would absolutely never get over the amazing miracles that God worked in their lives. And then, wasn't that long afterwards, totally forgotten. Moved on, just like it never happened. I may be speaking to somebody here this morning. You say, that's the category I'm in. I'm just saying be very, 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 very careful because your ingratitude will lead you to backslide from God. It's like two old friends. I, I love this story. Two old friends uh, bumped into each other, hadn't seen each other in a long time. They, they met each other in the street one day, and the first guy looked so depressed. I mean, it looked like, you know, there was no hope. He was, all, he was right on the verge of tears. And so his friend said, well, what has the world done to you, my friend? And the, the first guy said, well, 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 let me tell you. He said, three weeks ago, my uncle died, and he left me $40,000. His friend said, whoa, that's a chunk of change. Oh, yeah, he said, but there's more. He said, well, what? He said, well, two weeks ago, a cousin, I didn't even know the guy died, and he left me $85,000, free and clear, no questions asked. Man, he said, sounds like you've been blessed. Wow. First guy said, yeah, but you don't understand. Last week, my great aunt passed away, and I inherited almost a quarter of a million. By this time, the friend was truly confused. He said, so why do you look so down? And the first friend replied, simple. This week, nothing. (laughs) That is the trouble with ingratitude. You see, if it's a gift, we eventually come to expect it. It happens with our kids. We shower them with gifts, give them everything they want. And listen, listen, because it happens with the kids, it happens with us too, and it happens towards God. Emerson once said, I love this quote of Emerson. Hear this quote. He said, if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night to behold them. Did you ever think of that? And he said, the problem is, we've seen the stars so often, we don't even bother to look at them anymore. What a statement. When we fail to thank God for our blessings, we get spoiled. But that didn't happen to this one leper. He came back to give thanks. (coughs) The Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet and he praised God. Why? What was different about him than the other nine? Well, there's only one thing, and it makes all the difference in the world. You see, the other nine were Jewish men, but not this man. And I'm putting Jews down. It's not the intent. It wasn't the intent of the writer. It was the Jew writing it. Jesus remarks that this man was a Gentile. He was a foreigner. And if you were a foreigner in that land, or a stranger, or a Samaritan, call it whatever you want, you're not a Jew. In a sense, in their social minds, you didn't even count. So in other words, the others have been raised... Now this is important to me, and I never thought of it before, so I've never heard me preach this before. So listen carefully. These other nine were all brought up, quote-unquote, in religion. They knew the commandments of God. Wow. They learned the teaching of the, of the Torah, of, the, of the, the Scripture, as they knew it. And as a result, they took God for granted. But this one guy, this foreigner, this stranger, this Samaritan, he was a total pagan. Bottom line, the others were content with religion. This man didn't want religion. He didn't even know about it. He wanted a living relationship. The others wanted a miracle. This guy wanted the man behind the miracle. Which one do you want this morning? Which one? And as you can imagine, Jesus was saddened by the others' attitudes. He asked that very question in Luke 17. We just read it. He said, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? There's only this foreigner return to give glory to God. Do you hear the disappointment in his voice? You know, I think Jesus is still disappointed many times by that attitude. I think God is saddened by how few people actually express thanksgiving to him. So I ask you the question this morning, why is thank you so hard? And I want to give you another thing, a reason that I'm thankful I'm thankful that Jesus reversed my curse. I'm going to read verse 19 with you. And uh, matter of fact, I'm going to read it with you, and that means you're going to read it with me. So let's all read this together. Then he said to him, "Let's all read. Rise and go. Your faith has made you." Woo! Wow. I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of confusing. I thought Jesus already made him well, so why does he say it again? The word for well is actually the word S-O-Z-O, zozo, and it means to be made complete or whole. I love that word, W-H-O-L-E. So zozo is more than just physical healing. It's physical, emotional, and most importantly, spiritual healing. Jesus didn't come to earth just to heal people of their diseases. I know that he does a great job at that, and we still believe that, right? But if that's the only reason he came, he would have established a hospital, not a church. Now, Jesus primarily came, and these are his own words. Nobody's putting words in his mouth here. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you, my friend, and me. That was his number one and only, his sole goal and purpose to visit this planet. In other words, Jesus wants more for us than we want for ourselves. We're happy just to get a superficial healing. We get all excited about that, and we make sure everybody knows, and that's good. But Jesus wants to go further. There's a difference between being healed and being whole. He wants to do more than clean you up. He wants to finish what he started. And so the thankful leper teaches us that thankfulness allows God to complete what He has started already in our lives. There's so much more. He wants to give you, get you free from any of your underlying reasons for addictions or sins or continual habits. He wants to heal you uh, from your marriage. He wants to heal your relationships. He wants to heal you from your bitterness. He wants to heal you from emotional hurt. He wants to heal you from the, all these things, the reasons that you do what you do. But none of it's going to happen until you are sincerely thankful for what he has already done. I remember a pastor uh, relaying this story, a pastor from North Carolina, and and he was leading worship at a leper colony on the island of Tobago. And there was time for one more song that evening, so he asked if anyone had a request. And a woman who had been facing (coughs) away from the, 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 the pulpit area turned around, He said it was the most hideous face he had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. And despite her appearance, however, she lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked, Preacher, can we sing count your many blessings? This pastor, Jack Hinton, said, completely overcome with emotion, he had to leave the service. And he was followed by a team member who couldn't take it either, and he got out behind the stage area, and the team member said, Jack, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again, will you? And Jack Hinton thought for a second, and he said, Yes, I will, but believe me, I'll never sing it the same way again. No nose, no ears, no fingers, lips badly diseased. Could we just sing... We only have one more song to do. Count your many blessings. Just that, don't you feel, okay. I'm just going to open my gut here this morning. Don't you feel just a little, 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 tiny tinge of guilt when I tell that story? Huh? Some of you are looking pretty happy, but uh, don't you, don't you, though, really? In a leper colony on a little island, probably exiled there, huh? No nose, no ears, practically no lips, no fingers. Couldn't we just sing, "Count your many blessings"? Is that where you or me? We'd have a hand out, and say, "Yeah, can we sing? Let's get out of here and hurry up." Why we need to learn some lessons. When Jesus has set you free from sin, you will never be the same. Regardless of what you've experienced in life, regardless of the hardships, regardless of the problems, most of which we've created ourselves, regardless of the trials we've gone through, you can always count your many blessings and name them one by one. And as you do that, Jesus will lead you to even more amazing healings. The healing of your emotions, the healing of your of your past history, the healing of your relationships, the healing of your current hurts. The he- Don't forget to give him thanks. Don't forget before you leave here this morning to give him thanks. Please do it, and then maybe you'll be in the habit of doing it every day, all day. Don't be like the nine who took their healing for granted. Be like the one who came back to give thanks. And some of you, I just want to say uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a postscript. In just a moment or two, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But just before I do, I, I, I want, I have, this has been on my heart for a long time, and I've wanted to share it. And I said, this is the message. I think I can, I think I can use this. You only ask for God's forgiveness one time. You say, well, what about First John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and that's for Christians. It doesn't say anything about Asking for forgiveness, just say if you confess them. You're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. You are forgiven one time. You may be cleansed more than that. When you realize Jesus has saved us from, from, from ourselves <clears throat> by dying for us and coming back to life again, in that what I call light bulb moment, where it all comes clear, you will see that we really needed God's forgiveness. But let me tell you this, God forgave you long before you turned away from Him. He forgave you before you were even born. Now, I don't understand how all that works, but what I do know is we don't need to keep asking for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over and over over again. This could set you free today if you'd listen to this. If Christianity isn't about asking for forgiveness over and over, what's it about? Thank you for asking. It's about developing new habits, not trying harder but training our minds to respond wisely. We're human. We're selfish. We want to be in control. And often we're going to just turn away from God because that's what we want to do, and we want to do what we want to do. But we need to learn to say thank you. A Christian writer shared his testimony, and he said when I was in counseling a few years ago, and he had a serious problem, and I don't need to go into it, but he said I had to go to counseling. And he said, one of the things I was working through, it was an aftermath, really, of a nervous breakdown. And he said, my counselor told me this. Boy, I love this, I love this, I love this. Here's what the counselor said. Stop saying, I'm sorry, and start saying, thank you. I'd gotten myself into this crazy pattern of needing help, getting help, feeling guilty for being a bother, falling apart, and then over and over and over saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was surrounded by people who wanted to help me, but I felt so guilty for making such a mess. My counselor, now a few years out, this guy says, my counselor was absolutely correct. If someone helped me, I immediately said, thank you. It was, no, I'm sorry, thank you. The guilt never came when I did that. I stopped falling apart. And my pitiful, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, cycle never started again. So today I say, thank you, Jesus. Worship team, you come. In Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Here's what Paul said, rejoice always. 17, he said, pray continually. 18, he said, give thanks in all circumstances. If we didn't know... What You say, I walked in this place this morning and I had no clue what God's will is for my life. And I didn't know last week this time. I didn't know last year. I didn't know when I became a Christian. I don't think, Pastor Bob, I even know today what God's will is for my life. Well, if you listen for about 30 seconds, you will find out. So listen on purpose. Joyful, thankful prayer in all circumstances, all day long, 24, 7, 3, 65, no matter what happens. That is the will of God for you. See, happiness, think of that word, happiness depends on what happens. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Happiness external. Joy, internal and eternal. And what does the Holy Spirit remind us to do? Just simply turn around and say, thank you. Why is it so hard to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.